Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Figure Studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here, and guess who I found just wandering about the halls? The one, the only, the greatest, the pugilist of the artistic world, Mr. Matt Campbell. Hey! hey. Sorry, no video t- this time, guys. You don't want to see us. We just got done with a con, and I look like chewed up dog leather. <laughs> you did quite well, Mr. Campbell. I did. I had a great show. It was a great, uh, great event. Thank you, uh, All Seas, for hosting the event. Uh, and we had a bunch of different different types of creators out there, from comic books to a lot of Garbage Pail Kid artists uh, did, were doing really well. Um, we had a lot of vendors. We had all kinds of guests. So it was a good time. I know. And we need to get Gonzalez on because he looked like he was having a good time. Yep, yep. And uh, Eddie, who won the pint contest, got his card, got all of it. Yeah, Eddie Roach. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was actually set up right next to me. And uh, he's not, you know, what's great about him is he's, he does really well with the cards that he does. Yeah. Uh, but he's a really great realistic sports uh, uh, artist, like yes. realism and paint, like uh, acrylic paint. And, I mean, if, if you're a sports enthusiast, uh, you definitely want to check You want to go check out. out Eddie, Eddie Rhodes Jr. or the third. Eddie, what Rhodes, is he? Eddie Rhodes the third. The I third, believe. that's right. Yeah. I, knew, I knew he had another addition, addition to, to the name. <laughs> Subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Rhodes the third. No, and Eddie's great because he's so fun. He's, he's, he's very passionate about his his art but he's also just as equally passionate about the sports world and i mean some of the work that i've seen him pull out is just his use of color is spectacular yeah i saw a couple of his paintings. he couldn't put them up because we were limited on space that we was were a little other, tight on, on, uh, on the elbow room but he had some paintings uh that i thought were photos at first of like michael jordan and stuff and mm-hmm. they were just uh prints of his, his paintings very realistic and uh if you have a a sports bar or a you know sports store uh definitely want to check out having his stuff in there did you go over and talk to mike schlereth at all no oh he was the bronco guest he showed up on sunday right i didn't make it over there i was like nope i saw schlereth years ago and you know being in the broadcast world there's almost always some some bronco guest at an all-seas event so which is which is nice you get you know you bring out the older the older yeah. players, some yeah. of the retired guys. It's, yeah. it's good that way. It was good for, you know, just to get it, get out and see people and get these cons going again. Uh, get out from the hibernation we've been in. Because you've been, you've been kind of hibernating. You had some projects. You've been, uh, you're, you're back to teaching. Yep. So, classes full? Yeah, pretty full. I would say that uh, when we started this semester in the spring, uh, there was still some apprehension. So I think enrollment was a little bit lower, mm. um, but uh, not too bad. Uh, I have a comic book class, and then I have uh, some some graphic design classes at Pikes Peak uh, Community College in Colorado Springs, and uh, they the ones that are there seem great. And what's nice about it is that w- w- our schools are all set up 
with Zoom in the classroom now and the camera's set up. And so if someone gets sick or says, oh, I have to quarantine, like the cameras are there on me and in the classroom. Right. Uh, I can see them on the screen so I can like talk to the classroom and to them at the same time. Um, there's even microphones throughout the room so they can hear other students if they have questions. You know? Oh, wow. Jesus. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty much probably going to be set up like that forever um and we'll probably have more hybrid classes where some people are just going to be on online um that's an interesting new model i mean that's i mean it it, of course it was going to happen i mean it it was only a matter of time with the technology the way it is it only makes sense yeah but it's just exciting i'm kind of like ooh. yeah it's 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 got positives for sure like every class i do is is recorded so if a student says, oh, I don't remember, you know, what we have assignment, I'm like, there was a recording. Why are you asking me? Um, <laughs> you, so, have to, you have to adult. You have to take yes. care of yourself. Uh, on the other side <laughs> of that, like, for a long time now, we've been using COVID, using uh, Zoom, and I've noticed that um, students' ability to take notes has diminished because they know it's being recorded uh so they just kind of like either sit on zoom or or, you know sit in class and they'll engage and pay attention but as long as you get them to you know right um i've learned to be really good about like randomly calling out a name so well what do you think about this bob you know and just to make sure they're they're with us because if you just say like you know does anybody have any questions nobody yeah nobody says anything so you're pulling the, the grade school Johnny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you kind of have to keep engaged, especially since you have people on Zoom who, like, hide behind darkness. They don't have their camera on. Right. And it's difficult to force them to because there's so many potential different circumstances, you know. And I get that. Uh, so the only option I have is to really force engagement and be like, you know, I'll go around the room and ask questions at least every half hour. Um, just to make sure they're they're still with me. <laughs> well, and it's funny because we, Tuan and I here do you know some Zoom calls, and during like the blizzards and everything, I'm I'm thawing out the pipes in one of my rentals, and I'm dude just a mess. I don't want to do my camera, but I'm trying to find somewhere that the backdrop is like decent and not underneath the sink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can imagine some people's homes, and you know. I don't want to get dressed for this. I can just sit here and listen to everybody. Well, and another thing that we've seen a lot of is that a lot of these students, like, live in a home with lots of people. Um, and so as soon as they turn their camera on, you see, like, Random you know, mom, dad, kids running around, and it's loud, and there's people running around. So, uh, you know, they're just like, I'm here. I got everything off, but I'm here. I'm here, you know. I'm here. I'm, here. I'm checking in. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 been good. Uh and it's going well, and now I just picked up a new class because we had a teacher let go. Uh, mm. So I, I took over their class, which was a little nerve-wracking uh, to step into an- another person's class six weeks into the semester. Oh, good Lord. Um, and it's a class that I don't you know normally teach. Uh, this one's called Introduction to Multimedia, and so they learn like uh, eight or so different programs. Right. Like, uh, Photoshop, Illustrator, Premiere, and they're being introduced to all of them in like short little bursts. Um, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I use like a third of these regularly. I don't use GarageBand, you know, and that's one of the things they're introducing them to. And I'm like, 
So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. you can so you can jam out while you pencil it. In yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> it was a little nerve wracking, but then I got in there, and you know, it's funny how when we make a big change in our lives, we get worried because it's outside of our comfort zone, right? And within the first, like right before class, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to treat this like day one. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to you know, introduce myself. I'm going to get to know them. I'm going to see how the class has been going and how they feel about it and just not rush anything, you know, not try to, not try to just pick up where the other teacher left off. And by the end of the class, I realized, uh, I'm a freaking good teacher. Uh, and, uh, they were like really stressed because the previous teacher was just shotgunning so much information at them at once. God, really giving them, like, heavy-duty assignment loads as an introductory class. So they were all stressed. Some of them were, like, thinking about, you know, leaving. Ditching. And uh, I was, like, coming in there with the perspective of, like, well, some of this is I'm going to be right there learning with you because I don't know GarageBand or, or whatever. And so I was just like, let's, let's just slow it down, you know. Uh, nice. <laughs> so, Look at you. So they were, uh, they were like, a lot more relaxed already, you know, by the second the day. The Bob Ross approach. I love that. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's make, just slow down. Yes. Let's put some pretty birds here. Exactly. Exactly. That's me uh, pretty much. <laughs> that is me. So I have to ask, new year, new, new shows, new comics, new everything. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's caught your eye? What are you just just absolutely like on fire about we'll get to mythica so you can't use that as an excuse okay <laughs> what am i excited about um what'd I, you see what's going on come on well i haven't really uh see i haven't seen the new batman i'm gonna see that next weekend uh i hear it's pretty good um, lots of good things so we'll have the review for that up on thursday actually awesome awesome i i uh i was gonna go this weekend but obviously we had the show obviously. Uh, so next weekend i'm gonna go with a group and of it's friends. not it's not a small amount of time it's damn near three hours yeah you know i didn't realize that when we all agreed to go and then i think it was just last night i was looking and they're like oh it's a three-hour movie i was like whoa um uh, yeah plan ahead to, folks yeah hopefully there's like a an opportunity to to run out and go to the bathroom. So. Well, and it's so and without giving anything away on it, uh, it's very detective oriented. It's very criminal. Very. I heard it was like uh, like somebody described it as like uh, a little bit of seven kind of throw it in there. You know, that's you're not the first person to tell me that. I've heard that like multiple times. Even my reviewer, um, Spud, for you know that does does the reviews, and he was just like, it is. It's very seven. It's he was waiting for somebody. Oh, it, it's the kingpin, or you know, it's it's Gordon's head in the box. You know, that was right, that was right. the kind of thing. <laughs> and he's and the one other comparison that has been synonymous with everybody. It feels like the animated series, like very Batman animated series kind of oh, right on. intensity. So right on. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I mean, obviously, like a lot of people, I was apprehensive about. Uh, that actor playing Robert Patterson, yeah. yeah. But you know, I've seen him do some good stuff. I, I, you know, we all tend to like stick him with, uh, you know, the glittery vampire, the sparkly dogma. vampire. Through no fault of his own, it was yeah. a job. He took the money. Exactly. I mean, all of us, you sellouts, would do the exact same thing. So don't give me that shit. Well, and then I've also heard like, um, um, oh, what's his name? The guy that plays the uh, penguin, Colin Farrell, who you know is is. Is one of those actors who, like, has had really terrible parts and really great parts. Like, one of my favorite roles of his is uh, in Bruges, mm-hmm. and he just crushes it in there. Um, but then there's other parts where he, like, plays Bullseye, where it's just like, this is lame. 
It was lame know. and over the top. But, but I, mean, I heard he he crushed it in this. He crushed it. You he, Not only did he crush it, you cannot see him through that makeup. And there's only, like, a couple of brief moments where you you can tell it's Colin Farrell. Right. Where you're like, okay, no joke. No like joke. mannerisms or yeah, something? Yeah, just, just, you know, how he how he is. Um, like, uh, Fantastic Beasts yeah. in that first, that first film, how he was just, it's kind of like that approach that and it's it's spectacular it's right. so well done yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it so yeah there's that um i'm i am uh looking forward to uh uh dr strange i just saw last week i was posting about this on my tiktok uh matt campbell art and bruce campbell had announced that he's playing a or that he he played a part as a beloved marvel character in the movie uh, which is great because Bruce Campbell, like you know, most most of these actors when they have a, a role coming on, like like uh, you know Andrew Garfield, they're like, oh, I wasn't in the movie. They have to right. deny it, you know. Denies for he days. was just like, yeah, I, I played a part, uh, but he doesn't know if it's going to actually end up in the movie or if it end up on the editing room floor. But you know, with Sam Raimi directing, it's he's he's going to be in it, right? Come on. So he's like, yeah, I played the role of a, of a beloved Marvel character. So we were trying to guess, you know, on my TikTok, like what character he's playing he could even potentially be playing ash because ash is owned by marvel i think uh i would have to seriously think about that because i don't know who owns ash because i mean it was but see i don't know how that all works with i him, don't because i know him i think him and sam own the rights to that and i know was it idw that did the army of darkness series mm, for yeah. the comic yeah yeah, yeah. so they would be the ones that last had the property, but with stars doing the series for three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know who owns it, but I mean, it could be him. It could be anything from you know an alternate Doctor Strange to alternate Nick Fury to uh, Uncle Ben. I mean, oh my god, if he showed up as Uncle Ben, I would be so pissed. <laughs> I would be like, you know what? I keep waiting for, and I, 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 and I know we won't get it with Sam Raimi because I don't think it's his guy. But I want Wonder Man. Damn it, I want. <laughs> Simon Wilson, and, and I want I want that, but I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, um, but a beloved Simon, a beloved Marvel character is very interesting. Yeah, yeah, those were his exact words. So we're trying to figure that out. Um, I let's see. I saw uh, a really great series on uh, Netflix, uh, and I just based the name. It's an animated uh, show. Um, Actually, there was two of them. One of them was based on Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, Ex Machina. Well, no, it, it sounds like that, but okay. it, it's not. It's not the right name because that's a different thing. Oh, but um, it's I think like it was on... Vox Vox something. Yes, um, it's but, based off the Critical Role guys. Yes, and it's really super fun. So super, good. Uh, super adult, uh, like lots of like in the first episode, there was like uh, you know nudity and violence and uh, cursing, uh, all kinds <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> Uh, it was really, really fun. I haven't finished that. But the other one that I watched was uh, more of a um, uh, – I think it was actually made in 3D but with a very painterly style. And it was just absolutely gorgeous. Right. And it was an animation. And uh, I'm, I'm – I'm spacing the name on that too. But uh, it was not only beautiful but deep. Like it was these two sisters who had grown up, you know, on the like – lower end of this fantasy realm and mm-hmm. uh got separated and the younger girl ends up being kind of taken in by the the evil guy and uh she's basically like mentally ill you oh. know oh wow and 
the other sisters like trying to save her throughout the entire show and you never really know like because the the younger sister just keeps destroying everything with you know whenever she has a breakdown you know Mm -hmm. so it's really kind of deals with some deep stuff uh so it's like a really really psychotic version of frozen is what you're telling me (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but I mean, it was it was phenomenal. I think they kind of set the precedent for what animation can do. Uh, and I, it was it's done very well on Netflix. And I have to agree with you. The the Vox Machina Critical Role thing, and I think that one's actually on Amazon, is so well done. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I, I was blown away, and now I'm like anxious because I'm halfway. I think I'm halfway, a little over halfway through that series, mm-hmm. and they're only like twenty minutes, but. I'm just like I got so many other things, but I want to keep watching it. And... Yeah, with some of these shows, like you know, when when like Daredevil and Punisher were out on Netflix, like I could watch them while I was working, and then when you start hearing punching happen, you'd start watching the TV. But mm-hmm. during the conversations, you know, you could just could work. But with a lot of these animations, like they're moving so fast from one, their plot the plot moves very quickly, and there's a lot of of stuff happening that you don't want to miss. Uh, it's kind of like watching, you know, an anime you have to like pay attention to it pay attention so that's why i'm not done with it because i have to you know i can't do it while i work well and there's a mystery there's mystery going on there's a lot of character developments and and what i i like the most about it and it's also kind of to its detriment is that i don't have a favorite character all the characters are just basically just flat across the board and i'm like well i kind of like this one but and then i kind of like this one then i'm like meh so it's it's very intriguing, but you do start to develop, and you see the personalities and the characterizations develop in front of you, which is yeah. which is very exciting for an anime for because you don't immediately know because that's the one thing anime always does they like this is the cute one this right, is right, the, right, right. Or, you know yeah yeah very very clear like stereotype yes okay. you don't get any of that with this series and I I really admire that that step that choice because yeah. that is a choice. Yeah, every like every character that you see, like at the beginning, uh, you know, there was sort of like the really stoic, nerdy character, and then he ends up going really dark all of a sudden. Yes, uh, and yeah, there's a lot of twists, and that's one of the biggest challenging challenges I have with with uh, making my comic is that there's a lot of character development. I love that kind of stuff, but you get so short amount of time to put it in there uh, in 24 pages, like you barely start to show some of the personality of the character before that issue ends and then you gotta like hustle to get the next book out as fast as you can right because i mean as a sequential artist and this is this has been an ongoing conversation with me and a lot of people because some people don't take comic books seriously right to this day you know they just kind of and now it's even become worse since you know marvel's just kind of become the house of ips that you know everybody takes out and no one takes comics seriously but it's still a very valuable and interesting tool of telling stories and the new issue you've got going on kickstarter mythica issue eight where where do we pick up with the characters because it was it was quite a powerful end on seven in my opinion so um so Issues one through six were introducing the characters, and that was its own book, uh, like the first chapter. Right. And all of these different characters didn't know each other, uh, were, were finding themselves in situations where, like, monsters, demons were attacking, and they survived through some unknown ability that started to manifest. So uh, 
then they came together and they got away. And now in issue seven, like they're together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the arc of this this whole thing is they're they really don't know each other that well yet. So they're trying to get to know each other. They're trying to figure out why they have abilities. They're trying to figure out uh, you know what the deal is with these demons. And so Magnus decides. Let's get away from all the chaos of the war. Let's go somewhere where I feel like it's safe, and I'll take you up to my homeland of Cape Wrath, Scotland, which is at the northern tip of Scotland, and it's a real place. Uh, it doesn't look uh, – it's pretty desolate-looking in real life. Like, like it looks like, you know, a 1700s village, <laughs> practically. So it's, like, really close to Braveheart. Because when, uh, when, when I was looking at the, the, the sketches that you showed me, I'm like, oh, it's, it's Braveheart. It's, like, you know – it, yeah, the it, side it was or, funny because I was I posted up one of the pages and it was the interior shot of one of the pubs, and somebody uh, online had commented, you know, well, uh, it it looks good, but the guy with the the glasses looks, you know, out of place, and I'm like, well, it's actually 1914. Uh, glasses are a thing, uh, but this village looks older than it is because. People are walking around in in kilts, and there's still grass uh, thatch roof buildings and stone. Uh, they like it's not very modern looking, right. but it is for the time. It is still modern, you know, modern for that time. So it it tends to be a little bit of an optical illusion uh, sometimes. But then as we will move from there into a bigger city like London or or somewhere in Ireland, you'll see a lot of that, you know cars and planes and stuff like that coming back. But in this particular issue, he, or, you know, series book, I guess he, he's taking them there thinking it'd be a place to regroup and be safe. And like literally the next night he's there, there's vampires. Uh, and so he's, he's walking around, uh, trying to deal with the loss of his men. He's, he's going, uh, from home to home, Talking to the Ooh. to the, uh, the now widows, telling them that they're gone, and uh, and some of them are like completely like breaking down him, saying you promised to bring him back safe, and blaming him, and so it's adding to the stress. The, the stress. The, right. He already feels responsible, you know, and so he's he's you know now he's promising these widows, I'm gonna find him, I'm gonna kill them all, you know. And then he actually gets, uh, you know, ambushed by, by these uh, vampires and uh, all hell breaks loose because he has, you know, no uh, – he's not holding back. He doesn't – he's not really thinking clearly. The only thing he has to fight with is, is two boot knives against six vampires who can heal. And, and he can't. <laughs> he, he he cannot heal. Uh, he what he can do is he can he can make his skin uh, like impenetrable, like like Luke Cage. But it's more of a focused flex, you know. Right. It's not like that all the time. So throughout the course of a fight, you're going to get tired, and they're going to get some you know cuts in and stuff. So he's he's trying to deal with that, and his whole philosophy is like this new group of people. He. He doesn't want to put them in harm's way. Of course. He just lost his platoon. And so he's just trying to keep them out of the way while he goes and runs into the fight and, and, and you know, puts himself in danger. And he has to realize that he's not going to win this fight without their help. Right. And he's got to work together with them. That's what this arc is all about, is, mm. like, working with his new family, uh, taking his role back as a leader, 
but right now he's still in, you know, vengeance mode, mode and yeah. and you know, kill them all. Um, and so he's going to uh, he's going to get knocked down. He's going to take some, some some hits and realize he, he can't win this way. So are you enjoying punishing him? Yeah, because I think it makes him a real character. When I was growing up, like uh, my favorite films, my favorite stories were the characters who were obviously underdogs, like uh, you know, Die Hard, for yeah. instance. Uh, oh, he takes a beating. Or <laughs> or Predator. You know, uh, these characters like barely survive and usually it's by trying to find another way other than their normal way like outwitting them or you know you because you're not going to defeat them like just hand-to-hand combat like arnold schwarzenegger so he had to figure out some other things and that's that's kind of where you know we're at with this is like he he's used to you know being the strong man and 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 being the badass but that's not going to be enough on its own uh he's got to work with some other things and on top of that, there's, you know, some old world, uh, you know, misogyny going on because it's 1914. It's 1914. And several of the, the people in this new group of his are, are women. And so not only does does he not know what to do with them in a fight and not sure, but one of them's like a uh, uh, like 16, 17 year old girl who has no training, no nothing at all. She, like she's just so she's a kid. naive to the world. And uh, and then another one is Riley, who's a spy, and he doesn't trust her as far as he can throw her. Um, especially when he finds out she's friends with one of these vampires. So uh, he he you know the and and on top of that, she's just as like independent and bullheaded as he is like doesn't take orders and so you got these two alphas like at odds with each other who have to work together and so there's going to be this constant like love hate relationship right i base that very much on watching firefly and like mal and and uh uh, anara uh, and and how like you could tell that you know he cared about her but he was also like kind of mean to her a lot you know and that's kind of very uh, that's kind of what I'm trying to build is this this like kind of dysfunctional family and these like Magnus and Riley kind of become the parental figures of this little uh, younger girl and then there's two other characters who are in the mix uh, Phil and Marcus who are actually based on some friends of mine from college Mm -hmm. and they've barely gotten any time because it's like I said it's hard to put enough time in these comics to give each character a little bit of screen time, a little bit of personality. So uh, I actually had them in this book and had to, like, edit it out uh, because it just didn't fit and, you know, needed to have room for other things. So um, that's my challenge as a a writer is constantly trying to balance that. Um, And the way that I write is uh, I kind of learned this from – reading about how J.K. Rowling wrote uh, Harry Potter. And that is that, uh, and and to be fair, like, I didn't start off as a writer. I had help when I started this. Mm-hmm. I had a bunch of different random ideas, and I had some great writers help me kind of get on track. But now I'm writing it, you know, myself. And so what I do is I have this overall arc that I know I'm trying to have these characters on, like, right, you know, make this family, defeat the villains, but then uh, with each 
individual issue that I write, I like have this you know spreadsheet, and it's like okay, Magnus's arc is to uh, you know deal with his vengeance and become a leader, and you know uh, Riley's arc is to learn to trust other people and not be so self-sufficient, and and so on and so forth. So then, as I make a scene, I go through and say who's you know whose arc is this hitting, uh, and if it's not moving the story forward for one of those characters then either I, you know, remove it or rework it so that it's got a purpose. Because there's a lot of times where you have stuff in movies or shows or, or books that... You're like, what the hell? It, it doesn't have a nowhere. point. It yes. just, a lot of times it's just like, you know, it looks cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we do that a lot in comics where it's like, you know, uh, uh, or even in film where you have like this big view of like a environmental shot pan, like the helicopter pan, mm-hmm. and, you're, and you're just lingering on it. Okay, we get it. We're in New Zealand. Uh, it's beautiful, but this isn't moving the story this forward. Do anything well, and a lot of comics, like especially in the '90s, where they do the big splash page, right? But nothing is going on. It just it's it's the artist showing off and filling space because they. I don't know if they just didn't have anything, right? Or or just what you know, hero poses. Right. Through half of the comic, and then the other half is ads, and you just don't go anywhere. It pisses me off. Yeah, there's there's two types of comics I've seen the most, and one is that either you had those, those 90s comics where basically every panel, that, no matter if they were just having a conversation about who used the last of the toilet paper, everyone right. was in action pose Yes, all the time. And it was just like, it's kind of like watching a Michael Bay film where it's just like everything's so, you know, intense, it's like, Give me, give me a few minutes to, to absorb some of this and relax. Yeah, even the music is just, like, hypertense. And yeah. And just like, okay, I, I, I don't know what to expect. Right. And then the <laughs> other the other one that I see uh, a lot is the opposite of that, where you'll have an entire book of people just talking mm-hmm. and lots of conversation. And so what I've learned over time is how, you know, working and balancing that. And so, so I always make sure to have, you know, some kind of conflicts and conflicts don't necessarily have to be battles, you know, like Mm -hmm. as a, for instance, in this issue eight, um, Magnus goes to tell uh, this woman that she's now a widow and uh, you know, rather than just have her be sad, I, you know, had her, you know, lash out at him, smacking, you know, him with her fists, not believing him, and then turning to blaming, saying, you know, you promised you'd bring them back, uh, and then turning and going, wait a minute, where's their body? I don't believe you. I want to see their body. And then he's got to explain, like, why there's no body. And, And so in each thing, like, it's you just have to think about, like, what would cause the most conflict in this in this situation? And then, you know, if you can make it visual, that's great. But sometimes just having verbal conflict is enough. Um, well, and I think that would be the most realistic of emotions, the lashing out, the mm-hmm. just all of that. And that's kind of how I would envision more of the breakdowns. <clears throat> Absolutely. And I think yeah. that's very humanistic. I think that a lot of people, when they're writing comics, like, eat up a lot of their space with exposition. Mm -hmm. You know, explaining, you know, uh, in in this particular world, you know, everybody has this, you know. And, and, you know, just 
pages and pages of, of telling us what's going on without having conflict. Right. We're um, not all Ellen Moore. We don't need right. <laughs> we don't need naked men walking on Mars. Right. <laughs> so that's that's where I try to find a balance, and I'm constantly reading books and reading authors that are better than me, and 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 you know, really steeping myself in stuff that's not just comics because uh, I feel like sometimes if all you read is comics, you tend to just pick up some bad habits of like, you know, oh, this person's got to be flexing while they're taking a shit, you know. <laughs> Maybe it's a growler. We, you know, no judgment. Drink some water. Have some prunes. You know, not, exactly. not you know, <laughs> whatever moves you. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm really like – into these characters and into the story and building it. But like I said, it's, it's, I, my, my big goal right now is making it faster, uh, because I, I want people to really get into these characters right. as much as I am. And so now the, the team is building, uh, this past issue, we brought on some new colorists. Um, obviously Alex Sinclair was on the cover, yes. but on the interior, we have a colorist, uh, named Robert Nugent and, Robert's worked for a lot of different independent titles, including uh, Source Point Press. He's done quite a bit of work for that uh, publishing company. But uh, I went through very uh, several tests of, of colorists and uh, trying to find a colorist that would find the balance between this gritty, gray, skyed world of Scotland with World War I going on. You want some of that gray grittiness to it. But also showing the beauty and vibrance of, of the greens of Scotland. Yeah, because um, what you have on the Kickstarter page, that right there. Yeah. I mean, that is just beautiful. So that's part of your new colorist and all of that? Yeah. So trying to find you know that right balance took several tries. We finally found it in Robert. Uh, that was his test page, actually. Wow. Um, so very few additions need to be made. Uh, he's really good at adding depth. and Because so, I was even going to say, because as you're looking at, you know, because you've got the plains of scotland and then the highlands and it just the way he has the the fogging effect for the distance and all of that yeah the 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 scenery is yeah. just wow he's really good at adding that depth and i love that and then the the other thing that he's he's really helped out with is um <laughs> this is a this is a, a warning to anybody that's making comics uh when i first started mythica the reason I really got into it was that I wanted to see a character in a kilt. I hadn't seen a heroic character in a kilt in comics very often. Um, and so I built it all around all around Magnus. Right. Uh, but as I started making this comic, I'm in issue 8, starting issue 9 now, uh, I've come to realize maybe why that was, and that is that kilts create a lot of folds of fabric, uh, and then on top of that, you have plaid patterns moving in and out of those folds. So if you look at you know the line art in some of these, you'll see where this pattern is being drawn in and out of folds of mm-hmm. cloth, and it's time-consuming. Fortunately, I do love that kind of stuff. I, I'm a big detail person. I'm a fan of, like, Bernie Wrightson and the detail artists. Um, His line work is so good. I know, I know. Um, and now with Robert being... Uh, a colorist who who gets it, I can really focus my efforts on that line art. So this book has more detailed line art than you've ever seen in my previous books. Uh, it's, it's really upping the ante. And then on top of that, when I draw a character that's say you know medium to small, I don't I, I don't want to go in there with like detailing no. a, a plaid pattern. But 
Roberts learned to add some some pattern to the coloring to give it a little bit of plaid pattern, even from a distance. Uh, so that's little things like that working together uh, have really brought this book to the next level. Because when I look at this and you're complaining about the line, the immediate first thing that came to my mind, Amazing Spider-Man and the web lines yeah. and the costume. And yeah. everyone was like, it's a great costume. Damn, drawn it is a bitch when you're up close. Yeah, yeah. Like, everyone loves it and hates it at the same time. Uh, and I feel the same way. And then, on, especially, like, on this issue... Um, you got a lot of uptight shots. Well, and and uh, in this issue, Magnus is wearing what we call the full dress kilt, which mm-hmm. goes up and over the shoulder, which gives you even more fold to deal with. Because in all the previous issues, he's mostly just wearing, like, the bottom half. Right. You know, the normal uh, kilt. And, uh, and so, um, it's, it's got even more details. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I love, I love the detailed stuff and, and this gives me an opportunity to do that. And so now, uh, you know, it's just about getting some special guest artists, uh, to do covers. Uh, we got some big names hoping to get for the next book. Um, like I said, this book, we got Alex Sinclair to do the colors on the cover, which was a huge honor, um, and it was just really amazing. And he was absolutely a fantastic person to work with. Uh, the only challenge was time. As soon as he said yes, I got to work working on a cover um, right. and got it to him in about you know two weeks. And then but in that time, he was like, Marvel just dumped all kinds of stuff on me. Um, and... I waited for like four months. I know because I knew about this months ago when you and I were talking. (laughs) I mean, Seven had barely just come out, and you're like, well, I got all this lined up. And I'm like, that's great. And then, yeah, we got to (laughs) wait. Yeah. So usually what happens is right after the Kickstarter goes, uh, you know, I make sure to have everything, you know, for the printing done and all the shipping, you know, set up. And then anything that's left over is my pot to get these extra artists. And I have to hit on that immediately because of how long it takes. So while they're working on hoping getting to that cover, it might take them, you know, four to six months. I'm cranking out the interior pages. But I set it up first thing. Which is good. Um, And so for next issue, I've talked with Robert Adkins from Mm -hmm. G.I. Joe fame. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike Crome has showed interest. And I got to tell you, I... I have something special planned if I can get Mike because Mike's another high detail artist, mm-hmm. and um, I the the main villain in this book, if anybody's familiar with Celtic lore, is is the Morrigan, the original Morgan, not like the anime Morgan. Right, and uh, she's one of the the goddesses of death in the Tuatha Dé Danann, and, and she's very she's the uh, uh, appears as a, as a raven or an old crow or. Uh, or a beautiful, you know, often naked goddess. So um, yes. I want to have him do a cover with her with, you know, between the beauty and all these feathers and, oh, and the Celtic lore. Yeah. And if you want to see a hint of what that would look like, he did a Celtic-themed Lady Death that immediately that's was right. like, that's who I want Saw on this cover. That. And so I want him to get all those black feathers uh, going on in there, and and he was like, "Oh, that sounds that sounds awesome. I want to do that." So the, the um, glamour horror, yeah, yes, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm all for that. So uh, he's he's you know I he's first in line when I when I am, and then uh, we got Robert, and then uh, of course these got to be colored too. So I'm going to be looking at that. Um, Chuck 
Obak is one of my favorite colorists uh, that I've worked with. Mm. Uh, he did the last cover. Uh, he's coloring the naughty edition of this cover currently. But in the same vein of, you know, artists who who are awesome get busy, um, he's been working with Rob Liefeld a lot on his, some of his stuff. I can't believe Liefeld is still producing. You know, I mean. You just can't keep that kid down, can no, you? No, I mean, people give him a hard time, but he's a hustler. You he know? is a hustler. You know what? I say a lot of things about Liefeld. Yeah. But the boy is a hustler. I'll give him that. For sure. Um, and, you know, Chuck's in the Philippines, and he has worked his butt off uh, to to move up the ranks, you know, from small independence to, to medium independence to now working for some of these really big companies. And mm-hmm. so every time I contact him, I'm like, you know, can you work on this? And he's he's always got, you know, stuff on his plate but still says yes. So I'm like, all right, sweet. But um, yeah, I love I love working with other people who can raise the bar and do it better. Um, ultimately, though, I want to pull up McFarlane and hand this off to other artists, of course, um, and just oversee it. Maybe do co- you know a cover or two mm-hmm. and make sure it's going the way I want it and edit it uh, so I can start doing something else because I have uh, another another comic in mind that's more in line with like jungle girl you know very uh bikini clad kind of characters mm-hmm. um more uh, more on an island though than uh like island girls rather than right. jungle girls well and it's funny because i was talking to cecil this weekend cecil lemmy yep and he's like you i've got like all of these stories that i want to do that i've written i was on the plane and i came up with this idea and like rush sketched out like three issues yeah but he's all like there's just I don't have time. I don't have a team. I, I'm not Marvel. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it takes time. Like I, I, here I am on issue eight, yep. uh, and and like the first six issues, I did all the art myself. I had uh, a t- uh, some writers that were helping, and I had a letterer, uh, McLean McGuire, who was doing lettering. But now I've finally been able to get to the point where I have got enough of a backing, enough of a following to be able to bring in enough to afford to pay a colorist full-time and a letterer full-time. I have a different letterer now. Uh, and now starting to get to guest artists coming in. It, it takes time to build that up. Well, and it's funny because I've had this conversation, even in, even like doing building this up, you know, not trying to force it. Let it, let it create its own life. Mm-hmm. Comics are the exact same way. It just doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. It's got to naturally grow and pollinate and create its own its own life yep so uh for looking to the future the next uh thing i am looking at is kind of also uh taking this to uh, a publisher um i i wanted to get enough going that i had a base and i had something you know impressive to say well we've got eight issues you know um not you know, walking in with like here's half- my splash page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, actually, this weekend uh, at the show, I was talking with with Ben Dunn, who mm-hmm. is a, I think, co-owner of Antarctic Press, or maybe some some I role think, in it. I think he's got a share in it because I think it's his books that have been supporting Antarctic Press yeah, for, yeah. for a number of years, between Warrior Nun and Ninja High School. And I know he's got one more, and I can't think of it at the moment, but it'll come to me. Yeah, so he's got a stuff going on. He's working on some new stuff. Um, and, you know, we were talking about if this would be a good fit for Anonic Press, and he's going to send me some information. Uh, and he's like, you know, we're a big proponent of people having full ownership, mm-hmm. you know. 
Um, and so that's what I'm looking for is someone who will continue to let me just make it how I, you know, how I want to make it and not start to, you know, got it. Cause I knew that ultimately I wanted to hand this off to, to Netflix or to, to, a, I saw this as a trilogy of movies, but either way, um, that's like the end goal. Right. That's like the retirement. Cause you I can see this doing it as a series easily. Yeah. Or even like a really highly detailed animated series mm-hmm. like, like Vox Machina. But mm-hmm. To get there, you you gotta kind of go in stages, and the first stage was like just get a following going of the comic. And now that I have that, the the you know publishers are starting to take note and be interested. So I'm looking at you know I'm gonna look at several of them. Behemoth uh, has talked to me. Uh, there's there's Source Point Press. There's there's a lot of different companies that I want to talk to and see what what the best fit is. Um, but with them they can get the book out to stores all over the country. Right. Whereas, you know, I'm still distributing everything myself at this point. Uh, and last campaign, we went to 27 countries. And so I had to package up and ship to 27 <laughs> countries. Um, it's not so easy. It's not. It's not easy. Um, and thankfully, uh, a lot of the people that I work with on this uh, are in England, uh, and so they've been promoting it there. There's a store in Scotland that carries the book, uh, and so I would hope so. The homeland. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Um, yeah, because I actually have Magnus. Uh, well, especially since he's at his homeland in this issue. Right. There's a lot of of Scot speak, you know, um, and the challenge was making it come across as you're reading it uh thick enough that you knew it was scottish uh but enough that you could read it as a as a, an american reader and how do you put an accent on written word <laughs> yeah and and i had to learn how to do that it was a big challenge um so one of the secrets i found is if you can find a couple of uh keywords that most people are familiar with um like uh, you know, if you say instead of my kilt, you might say me kilt, right? Mm-hmm. You 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 pick like a handful of those words and you keep using those over and over again. It becomes repetitive and people kind of, as they're reading it, immediately jump into, into that 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 uh, accent while they're reading it. Um, but there's a, also a few words in there that I'm getting directly from people in Scotland because mm-hmm. I have a couple of people there and I'll run it by them and they're like, well, that's not you know, how it would be said. And they'll tell me, and I'm like, well, that's not going to translate. So then I'll, we'll find a happy medium. But uh, I know because anytime I, like, read something in in uh, Mythica, I, I have to say I give them Christopher Lambert's accent out of Highlander. Sorry. <laughs> I tr- I've tried to do other things. Sean Connery, right out. Does not work. Well, you know, yeah, Sean Connery redoing <laughs> a, 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 what is it, a Spaniard accent? Yeah, was, uh, I don't know what the hell they were thinking in that movie. A gypsy Spaniard? Yeah. <laughs> Let's give the one guy that has the accent the wrong one. And yeah. then have Christopher Lambert come in. Yeah. But yeah, I, everyone has got Christopher Lambert's accent. So, you know, another thing is uh, when you're making a comic that you want to be a movie mm-hmm. or you see as a movie, you're always thinking about who would play the role. Absolutely. That's like first first thing out of the gun. Right. And um, for a while, pretty much since Thor came out, I was always kind of envisioning uh, Chris Helmsworth. Yep. Mostly because he had the height and the build, but I never really imagined whether or not he could actually pull off like a Scottish brogue. Um, but then there's been a new, not really a new actor, but something that's, that's an actor that's resurfaced. 
Uh, I watched uh, um, uh, a, a show. I think it's also on Prime uh, called Reacher, which is oh, based on on the books. Show, on the books. Oh my and, god! And uh, I forgot his name though. No, um, but he was Hawk from Hawk and Dove out of Titan. He was also his first role. Turtles. His first role was Aquaman in Smallville. Yes, he had. And I pilots. remember when I was watching that because it was on TV. Immediately thinking to myself. They kind of overdid it because immediately he's like outshining the actor that plays Clark Kent because he's just ripped to the gills. And and you know the guy that played Clark Kent, I love him. Tom Welling looked small, but he too, yeah he looked so small and kind of soft. You know, and you're just like, damn, this dude's doughy. <laughs> his first, I think his first scene was walking out of the water carrying uh, that girl, Lois. Lois. He, he, he comes out of the and lake he's just like Lotus. looks Lotus. like a god walking out of there. But anyway, and it doesn't even look like he broke a sweat. He's just no. like yeah you know he's creating the wave right right but no i totally because we've got a new saying around here is like what would reacher do yes <laughs> yes uh and 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 uh so yeah i watched that show and i and i've sung, i've seen a lot of his uh live shows like pr- preparing for it uh or talking about it promoting it and uh that's kind of who i'm eyeballing right now because not only does he have the size and the build but i think he's he's might be a, a better at doing the stoic you know feel and mm-hmm. the, and brooding that uh, i think magnus would have where i think uh chris hemsworth would be trying to smile too much he'd be know? trying to smile too. And <laughs> hemsworth red was talking about it this weekend she's all like hemsworth's smile makes my skin crawl i don't know why <laughs> he's not that he's not pretty he's got that tom cruise weird. thing going on where it's always got to like show his perfect teeth <laughs> because when i was reading it and i was thinking because i put magnus in the exact same place you did i always kind of envisioned uh the guy that played billy bones in black sail He's also Moon Boy in Umbrella Academy. But then, like, upon further, like, reflection, I'm like, he's too, I don't want to say childish, but he's just got too much of a young face. He's too kitty. He's just too, he's a great actor, and I love him. Mm-hmm. But you, uh, he's the closest that I could come for the build and just the, the physical properties. Of yeah, Magnus. yeah, because I, I really wanted Magnus to be, uh, and, and Reacher nails that, like, yes. uh, a very physically intimidating man and mm-hmm. uh you know just this big scottish person especially you know like when we find out like where these abilities are coming from and why they're so uh so empowered Ooh, but, foreshadowing yes uh so um but yeah I, I i would look at that a character or an actor like that for sure but so the Kickstarter is live right now. It is live. And it, you have 16 days left as of this recording. Is um, it 16 or is it 13? Pardon me, 13. Yes. I am incorrect. My, so, I, I didn't have my contacts in yet. Sorry, so please. just a little shy of, of two weeks to jump on board. Um, we, are, we are doing really great. What you are. You uh, I was going to say, so your stretch goals and your pledges are very... Very, I mean, they're great. This is some of the best stuff that I have seen in regards to a Kickstarter launch. Because I mean, man. you get everything. I mean, you you get something at every level, which is kind of nice. It's not just repetitive, and it's stuff that they want. Because that's the one thing that I really, really irks me about Kickstarters when people are like, they just kind of like, it's an afterthought. Oh, I'm just going to throw this on there. Just give me money, right? I, I'm. I, and I don't want to say everyone on Kickstarter is greedy and they just want money. There are some, though. There are some. 
but and and we and Matt and I were having a conversation before as far as breaking Kickstarter this week already. Yeah, and there's only so much money to go around. But this is it's incentivized. It's great, and there's something for everyone at every price point. Well, one of the things I've tried to do from the very first Kickstarter, I did a lot of research, is uh, I wanted to make people always feel like they're getting their money's worth. So, like, when you go to the first tier that's a physical reward, the first book, uh, you know, it's it's like $20 for a comic. And when you think about walking into a shop and buying a comic for 20 bucks, That's a trade paper, right? That seems like a lot. So, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, well, how can I put the most into that? Mm-hmm. So, um you know, the first thing is we list them as a backer in the book, uh, and then we also give them a digital copy of the book so they can not even have to open their physical copy if they want. Then we also sign the book, so they're going to get it signed uh, ahead of time. And then we start including, you know, a bunch of other uh, things in that package. But then on top of that, we have the backer bonuses. Um, and what, what I've been trying to do the last two campaigns is – uh, promote having more backers over having more money. So our goals are set at how many backers we have. Um, so right out of the gate, when we hit 50 backers, uh, everyone got an extra print. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when we hit 75 backers, everyone got an extra sticker. Uh, and then in 100 backers, that print became a hollow foil print. Um, and then uh, next up, we have another mini print uh, by Skylar Patridge, who did issue six cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just keeps growing like that. It does. I mean, even like, so for the, like the $20 one, um, Virgin number four premiere cover. Uh, the cover has no logos or graphics on the cover and is signed and numbered to 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also get a digital PDF of issue eight. Listed in the book as a backer. I mean, all of that. And then even down at the bottom includes Mythica 8 physical copy. Digital PDF of Mythica 8. Listed in the book. Uh, digital. This is what I love. Digital desktop background and digital phone background. That is just. Yeah. I, mean, I love that. Because if you're spending the money and you're backing this, it means you believe in the product. And that's what always used to piss me off about Xbox. You get these achievements and they give you this beautiful art as like unlocking but you never could use it as a background so this to see you take advantage of that is absolutely brilliant thanks man uh yeah we like i said i want to make people feel like they're getting their money's worth and uh so uh, another couple things we're doing in this campaign uh is in the past as you know the first six issues were put together into a graphic novel Mm -hmm. and we uh wanted to uh, get to that graphic novel so badly that as soon as we hit it, like, you know, we moved on. And a lot of people were like, well, I didn't complete my set. I have one through four. I don't have five and six. Um, and so what we decided to do this time was reprint the previous issues. Okay. We've got some guest artists do on new covers. So Bob Hall is on issue one. Good old Bob. Uh, yeah. Um, we've got uh, Jason Mintz on issue three. I uh, saw that. We've got some uh, a guest artists down from uh, South South America, I believe, in, in uh, issue five with Clever Lima and Antonio Diaz. Uh, we're bringing back Skyler's cover. Uh, and now this will be different uh, than the original because it's got the new logo on it. We've revised the logo since it was first launched. So these will, uh, you know, all be available, and you can either get a reward package that already has them all, mm-hmm. 
Or you can just go into the add-on section and say, you know what, I just want issue six because I have one through five. And you can add them on individually. Um, and what we're going to do is each, each of these are going to be limited runs as well. Um, and then every time we come out with a new issue, issue nine, the previous eight issues will be re-released again with new cover artists. This gives me opportunities to promote up-and-coming and, and other artists um, as well as give people more reason to collect. So if you're a collector, mm-hmm. this is going to be uh, big because we're going to have a lot of different covers. But instead of like when in the 90s when, you know, when Image did it, they were like, we have 12 you know, different covers coming out all at the same time. And a lot of Kickstarters do that now where they'll have so many different covers to choose from that you're just scrolling forever, you know? Uh, so rather than do that, we're going to just have a new set of covers for these back issues, you know, each time. And unless, you know, it gets out of hand, we've got like 27 back issues to do. We might stop at some point. Well, and even like, like perfect example, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, when they did Last Ronin, uh-huh. that, I mean, there were so many different covers at once. And it was, right. you just, it was like, okay, first the store didn't even get all of them because they didn't order that. They're like, no, no, no. Right. But I like that that you can go back and just kind of pick and choose, and that's that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. Well, and my printer has the ability to to number these as they're being printed. Oh. So that's something that we're putting on a lot of these is like they're limited and numbered to you know a, a small run of of hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred, depending on you know the campaign, and so that immediately will make them you know collectors items. So. For the collectors out there, every time we're going to have more of these, you know, coming out. Um, so that's that's something we're doing. And then the other thing that we're doing is, even though the stretch goals or the the backer bonuses are based on how many backers we have, mm-hmm. I've partnered with some of the other Kickstarters that are going on currently to have now stretch goals. Um, so at six thousand, which we are very close to hitting our that first stretch goal. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're a digital reward backer at $5, you're going to get three extra comics from these other creators to check out their comics uh, absolutely free. Uh, and, and they had the same thing going on on their Kickstarter. Uh, and then uh, I've got more, uh, some other Kickstarters coming in. And I, I'm a really big believer in, in you know, cross-promoting uh, and, and helping lift each other up. Right. Um, I'm seeing a lot of some of these artists like there's definitely clicks in the independent world and some there of these are. some of these clicks are like no we're not gonna promote anybody else you know it, it becomes advertising because they're so you know they're doing so well like thirty forty fifty thousand dollar campaigns that they're like well if we help you then everyone asks us so we're not gonna help anybody I'm like. All right. Okay. I don't know I about mean, that. I guess, but I guess the logic is there. Until you go back and you look at their vast campaigns and you're like, where were you helping people before? Because I don't ever see I it anywhere. See that. I mean, I do <laughs> I do like this. Do electric sheep play video games? Uh, electric sheep, a comic anthology with the soul of Black Mirror, the aesthetics of love, death, and robots. Doesn't that sound I, intriguing? That sounds so amazing. Because I love death and robots. And yeah. that is just – it was such a great series. Hopefully we'll see a, se- a third series for them. But I just like the way that they laid that out. And yeah. I'm, I want to read that now. Right. It's a, it's a great pitch. I love it. Um, and then, yeah, I've got some others on the way. Uh, I'll be putting up, you know, over the course of this week uh, for the next stretch goals. 
probably at 7,000. Nice. But we've got 13 days left, and so now's a good time to jump on because we already hit these goals. So if if you join in right now, you're already going to get automatically all this extra stuff. Yeah, taking full advantage of the hard work of others. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, so go check it out. uh, And... Like I said, this book is is pretty well done. The only thing we're waiting on right now is a couple of pages to be wrapped up with colors, and then uh, to send it off to uh, my my uh, letterer. And he's obviously pretty fast and amazing. But yeah, Chuck's working on the naughty cover, uh, the coloring of the naughty cover, and we got a few. Is that the one with the high back chair? Yes. Nice. So uh, I, I like to push the boundaries of the naughty uh, a little bit, and everyone's you know. Clambers all over having a female on the naughty cover. So with this one, we have both, uh, both Riley sexes. and uh, looking up a little bit of Magnus's kilt uh, for the for the ladies. Because it's the first question. What what's what's a Scotsman wear under his kilt? That's right. <laughs> uh, lipstick if it's a good day. Too <laughs> uh, good because the last naughty cover, which I just love which i think is my favorite cover of all time is just the the shower scene number yeah. seven right there it's just it's just so many good elements that i just yeah that's well since you mentioned that that was actually requested uh right away in the add-on section really? so so uh, we had about 40 42 copies of that left uh and so we put it in the add-on section you can get the physical copy or some people are even getting the digital copy just so they can have that cover. So they have it everywhere. Uh, even though some of them get the standard I- issue seven digital copy, mm-hmm. uh, so most of those are available. But it's limited to for the, what we have left on right. those, because then that one will be gone. Um, the only ones that we reprint are the the standard covers, um, and so that one will keep you know staying in print but the the specialty covers we we limit and then they're gone no you got to get get in while you can that's what, yep. that's the way they're limited i do like the men's cover the men's cover is actually really adorable yes uh that was a, a fun one to watch i was actually uh over at his house while he was working on that we kind of collaborated back and forth with color because he's so used to bright vibrant colors if he's you guys know very bright uh, if you guys joe know jason mintz his his work is very tykes and and young adult or young young person driven mm-hmm. very cutesy kind of almost you know uh i wouldn't say chibi but very close um it, it is kind of close it kind of reminds me of like a, an updated Calvin and Hobbes kind of approach. Yeah, yeah. Well, you should see he's done a few of his own versions of Calvin and Hobbes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. But, yeah, so having him do it in that style, um, he always takes anything that's weaponry and makes it kid-friendly, like Magnus's sword is made out of wood. Riley's gun is like a Nerf gun. It is. It's like, it looks like a pop gun. Yeah. It's great. Um, and I love the princess house. The, yes, that, the little the little uh, <laughs> you know, backyard uh, fort house thing. Yeah. Yes, it's so good. It's like modern. It just totally made me think of like Modern Family. Just looking yep. at it. Yep. So good. How difficult has it been to come back to Kickstarter every time? Is it getting harder? Is it getting easier? A little both. Like uh, I was just chatting with uh, the Kickstarter group uh, that I'm in, mm-hmm. and it it you never get over having the nervousness right before you hit the launch button. Um, 
because you never know how it's going to go. You don't. I mean, you're literally just putting yourself out there on the whims of others. Yeah, and and you know, it, you you're definitely like I'm personally attached to this. So mm-hmm. you know, if it doesn't do well, you you're you you're know you're going to take it personally. You're going to take it personally, even though you, everything tells you you, you shouldn't. Um, but you know, uh, you have to to make a lot of there's a lot of work that goes involved into it and part of it's easier because you understand what to do but then it also grows uh and so there's like for instance pre-marketing like you're, you're trying to get out to social media and say hey this kickstarter is coming you mm-hmm. know in, in like a month and social media has made it uh more and more difficult to promote anything as soon as they see you share a link or that they see that you're trying to promote something, you'll suddenly see the views just dissipate to nothingness. Whereas if I post a picture of my cats, it'll get tons of views. Their algorithm knows when you're trying to promote something, and they'll shut it down because they want you to give them money. They do. So that's a challenge, finding other places to promote. Um, One of the things I'm focused on for now and, and, and next campaign is something that I've been noticing throughout uh, a trend is there's a ton of of creators independent groups uh online in facebook that are like we're comic book creators and they're sharing their stuff back and forth Mm -hmm. um but that's you know you're you're only marketing to the other guys doing the same thing so i've been focusing more on marketing to people who are my target audience who are not comic creators so for instance i'm in several Groups like Men in Kilts and uh, Scottish... Is that a group? Yes, it is. Oh, uh, my God. I want to be in that group. <laughs> there's actually two groups called Men in Kilts. Um, or, you know, uh, things that would fit your target audience but aren't necessarily, you know, hardcore comic book fans. Right. I started to show, you know, the scenes from the book saying, hey, here's a Scotsman, you know, kicking ass. And it got... Oh, what was very well received because they were like they're and I'm the only one in the group that's that's showing comic stuff because you know it's not a comic group so they're right. like oh this is cool and different I didn't see that so it just takes a little bit of work to say well Kickstarter is a thing and that's uh, you know you have to explain what Kickstarter is whereas right. in these other groups they all know it because they're all doing it mm-hmm. you know but most of those people kind of just support each other. They'll, I'll give you five bucks for your digital copy, and I'll you know in return trade off kind of yep. trade. But you're not really getting those you know the the new backers, the new audience, you know. And that's what I'm trying to learn how to market better towards is you know the people who uh, I I want to grow this audience to and, and, and get new people to. Obviously, they're always going to be comic book fans, but there's people who aren't comic book fans yet not yet that that could be if you get in front of them Mm -hmm. you just have to open their eyes to it it really it really is just kind of sitting down and just kind of explaining it to them yeah i also go to like the highland festivals and uh try to tossed a log uh i have never tossed a log my dad did uh he was a big man uh and and he did some of the highland games but i am uh just not big enough for that i yeah i'm like god no can't even try it yeah yeah uh those guys are beasts yes they are. i love watching it yes but yeah i'll I'll go to the highland festivals have my kilts on and uh bring my comics uh and you know walk around in the tents and you know people eat it up um and so i'm also like if if you've ever seen there's a like a 
traditional shirt that the the each clan wears it has kind of the circular knotwork it's uh that uh of their clan mm-hmm. uh, and i'm making one of those for clan mcdracken uh so it'll it'll look authentic but it's based on a fake you know comic Family, book name right uh, and and you know, kind of just catering to that that crowd, uh, and then you know, people who love Highlander and Supernatural, and I'll get into those groups uh, and say, hey, this is got a lot of influences from Supernatural, and right, I have a cat know. named Sam and Dean, and kind of just interact with these people that that aren't comic book fans, and I feel like that's important because if all you're doing is marketing to other comic book people, you're you're going to get some, but they're they're you know how artists and, and writers are. They're competitive. They're like, well, I don't want to support you because I, uh, you know, I want to promote my own. Well, and right away they get like, you know, conspiracy theory on you. You're going to steal my shit. Or yes, uh, yes, you're you're going to take money out of my pocket, and they're not going to watch, you know, read me anymore. And you're building off. Yes, yeah. yes. It's so, it's such an odd world in that. Yes, yeah, it, it is weird. I see that a lot in in. Uh, I saw that in art school, and I I, I warned my students about that. That like. There's going to be people who are going to critique your work just without asking, and they're mostly doing it to feel better about themselves uh, by putting you down. Yeah, build themselves up by tearing someone else down. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so you got to just take that with a grain of salt and, and whatnot. But on the other hand, they're, like the group I'm in right now, it's uh, Comic Book Cross Promotion, I think it's called. These guys have been great. They're like, you know, this is where I got my stuff printed. And uh, this is, you know, we're, we're like I said, we're, we're exchanging our stuff on Kickstarter, trying our best to help promote each other because we've all done enough of them to know that it's not, you know, it's getting more difficult to mm-hmm. promote. Um, but like I said, I'm starting to realize that I think you got to go outside of that, um, try different platforms, uh, other than just, you know, the one or two that you're normally used to. Right. Um, Get outside that comfort zone. I even saw uh, Jamie Tyndale's uh, company. Um, it's like Merck Magazine or something like that. Mm-hmm. They had a billboard up in Arizona. Really? Uh, I did not see that. Like, I heard them talk about it on one of their podcasts. Just like this great big billboard on the side of the road for their for their. Uh, I don't know if it's for their campaign or just straight for their website. Huh. But, uh, you know, I've, I've always thought about stuff like that. Like, well, like uh, the I don't side. Want to have that, I want that budget. I don't want the sign. Well, it'd be cool, right. but I, I want the budget for or that. Or, like, you know, like those, uh, those signs you see at the bus stop, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Like, where can you reach a different audience that, uh, you know, isn't too expensive? Obviously, they, they were dropping some coin for that, I'm sure. Serious coin. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of other avenues other than just other it's comic just, book groups. And, just finding them. Yep. Well, Matt, we're about out of time. Yep, I realized this, yeah. See? It's been great. It, goes. it does go fast. I, I've had a great time, man. So how do they stock you? We are going to put a link to the Kickstarter uh, below so all of our um, local people that listen can kickstart and join and be a backer but also the fans around the world the millions of fans are we actually have a few listeners in ireland who awesome. i'm hoping will see this and be awesome. inspired and want to join in on the kickstarter and be a backer yeah uh, but yeah there we we're all over we're all over the globe now that's awesome that's awesome i i love i love how podcasts are making such a strong comeback because mm-hmm. uh, they were pretty big like 
15 years ago. Uh, and and then YouTube kind of took over, and now they're making a comeback. I love it. Um, so you were asking, like, how can they find me? Yeah, how do they uh, stalk you? So uh, Action Line Studios is the name of the website. You can just go straight there and get some back issues if you want, or the, the graphic novels, uh, or even buy some original artwork. Um, on Facebook, uh, Action Line Studios is our company, but then – Matt Campbell Art, uh, all one word, is where you'll find me in most social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, even TikTok and Twitter. Um, I've been on TikTok, been experimenting with TikTok. Uh, You're so brave. I haven't even done that yet. It's Well, I will say this. It's a tough road because, you know, obviously my stuff's rated for mature audiences, and they're very tight over there about uh, what you can and can't show. It's weird because you can't show – hardly anything that is even remotely sensitive but you can say it all day long you you can have rap music that's talking about everything you can imagine right or our conversations but you can't visually see it it's very bizarre Hmm. okay um but yeah i was actually drawing a uh, a page of this book and you know with as with most art you have an underdrawing uh and a female character who like had just the form like there, there was a shape of breasts, but there were, like, no nipples, no, you right. know, anything like that. Just your typical, like, wooden model kind of situation. And they blocked that before I was even done. So Wow. So just like a mannequin. Just a simple. Pretty much, yeah, it would have been just a mannequin. Um, wow. But also they'll block if it's too much gore, uh, which sometimes Mythica gets into. Hmm. Um, but you're, you're, you're fighting vampires. I'm thinking it's probably not the cleanest thing in the planet. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I have to be – it's a challenge sometimes, but – I'm doing it because it's a new platform, and uh, you know, reaching a new audience is all you know what it comes it's down to. Not easy, no. Because so. I can't. I PJ was trying to get me into the TikToky thing, and I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't have the bandwidth yep. for it. Yep. PJ's like, okay, I'll do it. I know a lot of people have been asking me to get it into Twitch and live stream on Twitch, uh, but um, I'm still working out those kinks. Uh, but I will say this: that something I didn't mention. I do have a Patreon. Uh, which is Patreon slash Action Line Studios. Mm-hmm. And I do a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff in there. So if you're wanting to learn, like, how to write or how to make comics, I, I a lot of my students go there after school is over because I continue their education there. And the highest tier there is, like, 10 or $15. That's way cheaper than school. Way cheaper. Um, but then another thing I'm going to be doing soon is having live streams with only patrons available uh, to, to access it. So they can ask me questions, and they can be live. Because whenever I live stream, like, on Twitch or whatever, you only see this, like, stream of comments. And without a moderator saying, hey, uh, you know, Smurf wants to know what about this, I have to stop and keep looking at it. Right. Because I was watching, I think it was last week you did a stream. Yeah. And I I was watching the messages just fly. Mm -hmm. And you're, like, (laughs) mid-sentence, you know, trying to explain, and you're doing this intricate work. And, yeah, you're right. It's 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 fun to watch you, but I'm just like, okay, these poor people. And you're like, okay, hold on. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, with the live stream, if I I, uh, go through StreamYard, I can invite up to 10 people, and they're live with me. Right. So I can not only see their face, but if I'm drawing and they're talking – I can hear them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to start inviting patrons to, to do that with me as one of the perks. That'd be fun. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, I can also send out a link to guest artists. Uh, I just did that. I actually did that last week with several of these Kickstarter backers. We were all 
currently in campaigns, and I just brought them all on board at the same time. And I was one of the only artists. <laughs> the rest of them are writers. But that's poor writers. Yeah. Well, that kind of covers everything. Covers it all. Covers it all. Go to Kickstarter. Again, the link is down below or in the description or on the page. There are multiple ways to get to it. You only have 13. Well, by the time this gets posted, 12 days left before. 12 days of Mythica. 12. (laughs) You really should do that in video. I want to see that. I might have to squeeze that in tomorrow. I think so. The 12 days of Mythica. Get in before they get out. Mr. Campbell, thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for having me. And that wraps it up. Give us a like. Give us a share. Tell your friends about us and becoming a Mythic Maniac. But in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night. Good night.